0: Welcome to the Transport Hub podcast, a podcast series created by the Transport Research Hub at University College Dublin. I am your host, Porik Carroll. This podcast series seeks to disseminate research, industry innovations, and policy in the area of transportation and mobility. Hello and welcome to the Transport Hub podcast. So I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Eugene O'Brien, who is a full professor in civil engineering at University College Dublin. has many years of experience in structural and civil engineering in the area of bridge engineering. But today we'll be discussing a slightly different topic, which will be looking at biodiversity of road and rail verges, which is been, has been a new interest of, of Eugene in recent years. So thank you very much, Eugene, for joining us today.
1: Delighted to be here, Frank.
0: So just to start the podcast then, um, maybe we can just start off. What What is your interpretation or what do you believe is... Biodiversity in your opinion?
1: Well, Biodiversity, well diversity of course is, is variety and biodiversity is variety of animal and plant species but we're not just talking about the cute uh, furry things here we're talking about all kinds of snails and slugs and spiders as as well as the cute things uh, and plants as well of course and mosses and lichens so everything um, so biodiversity It's obviously valuable and uh, a, an environment that's biodiverse is going to be more resilient and healthier and better, a better thing to leave to our children and our grandchildren.
0: So in terms of biodiversity, then what is valuable for the biodiversity, would you say? Um, uh,
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, a a more a more diverse group of species is obviously valuable, Um, but we do tend to focus on. uh, On what's rare Um, now, you, you know, one butterfly that passes by once every 10 years is is not. Probably not that useful, but what's maybe nationally rare or rare at a European level, but could be locally strong. And in the context of transport and road and rail verges, which is what we're talking about today, um we're talking about species that would thrive in that kind of environment. It's a, a very special kind of environment. and uh, it's and it's it's quite an adverse or you know difficult environment to the, for for animals to live in. But some species of plant, like there's the great pignut, only now survives on road verges in some parts of England. So the the verges do have a role to play and can make a positive contribution. I mean, they're never going to be the burn. They're never going to be something incredibly special. But there's a lot of them and they're long and connected. So they connect habitats to each other. So they do have they do have some value.
0: And do you believe that this is something that's gathering more momentum in this space or is it it something that got more attention maybe? But it's always been uh, something that has been focused on a lot in in this area.
1: Well, it it has gathered increasing attention and that's what got me into this field recently. Uh, Cedar, it's basically the Association of Road Owners of Europe. And they had some studies done by by, by experts, biologists uh, over a good few years and at the end, they, they wanted something that people could use. So that, so that's where I got involved. So I wrote the final report then, which is basically the recommendations of what practical steps could be taken by road owners uh, to improve biodiversity and to address invasive species. Invasive species is also a difficult problem. Mm-hmm. But um yes, yeah, so Cedar are behind it now. And following the Cedar report, which is just about out now, um, there will be probably be national policies and national reports Uh, And so the national road owners are going to take steps to improve their biodiversity.
0: Okay, so what should we focus on then in this area? Do you feel that there's prioritisation needed on certain parts of this or more attention generally on this topic?
1: Well, I I think there's, there's two ways you can go about this and they're both valid. I mean, one is that you could promote, you could improve biodiversity generally in the roadsides. Now, a lot of it is not all that valuable. I mean, it's the narrow verges and the patchy verges and uh, probably not that valuable, uh, but they can be improved. And we've we've all heard of the no mow may by now. And June is too soon is the follow up to that. Um, so that has value. Um, we can uh, we do need to mow, but we could mow later in the year. We could, for example, let things go to seed and then the birds can access them and the little mammals and so on. Um, uh, so, but if we do it quite late, if we cut late, that's useful. Um, we shouldn't never cut never cutting is not good either. Uh, if you never cut the road verge, uh, eventually it'll become a forest, and that might be have safety implications. But also, a forest is actually not that biodiverse because it tends to be dominated by a small number of species. So actually, the disturbed environment is quite valuable, uh, and mowing is a disturbance. So So it's similar to a kind of primeval, very simple landscape where wild animals would have grazed, and the grazing is a disturbance. So it stops it from becoming a forest and it ends up becoming a mixed, diverse habitat that suits a lot of species. So that rough pasture is sometimes caused. Uh, road verges can be a good approximation of a rough pasture. They have some other features. I mean, there are, there are a few things that road owners can look for when they're trying to improve things. So as, as I was saying, there's general things they can do like mowing late, but you can also target a few particular niches. And there are a few things that road Burgess can be particularly good at. Uh, one is uh, south-facing embankments. So roads sometimes have embankments. You have a cutting through a, through a few hills or something like that. And you end up getting an extensive embankment that might be south-facing. And that actually favors certain types of insects. So again, it's not very glamorous, but they're important. You know, uh, They're burrowing bees, for example. There's a lot of burrowing bees and wasps. They're not the usual honeybee. They're solitary species, for example. And they're fascinating if you study their life cycle. Um, But um, those south-facing embankments can be particularly useful. Uh, Bare earth can be quite useful. So if you can expose the earth, uh, and to expose the earth, you need to not have grass. Grass is really not biodiverse. So grass is is our enemy. And you can do that by degrading the environment, by removing the nutrients. And in practical terms, that means uh, removing the cuttings. So you cut the grass, you remove, you remove the cuttings and you do that over a number of years and eventually that will degrade the, the nutrient levels and you're, you'll tend, you can get bare earth patches mm-hmm. here and there. And that actually is much more biodiverse than a rich sward of grass. Yeah. I mean farmers, uh, love I was born on a farm and we used to love the, the rich green grass. But actually, that's not good for biodiversity.
0: Mm. So that actually brings us on to my next question. So what got you into this field? So you just mentioned that you grew up on a farm. Would you would you classify yourself as much of a, a gardener or would you be more enthusiastic about it beyond that having lived on a farm? Or is it, for example, your research, a lot of your research to date, has focused a lot on structural health monitoring and bridges. But so how, how have you veered into this area? Is this something always been of interest?
1: Yeah, I I guess I grew up on a farm and I was fascinated by nature. The natural world is all around you on a farm. Uh, And I thought about studying biology, zoology, perhaps. Um, But I have the choice between what you're interested in and what you're good at. Uh, So I got into engineering and I ended up doing a lot of work on bridges and health monitoring, monitoring the the health of bridges. Uh, But I got involved in a a cost action. Cost is uh, cooperation in science and technologies, European actions. And there was a call to action on habitat fragmentation about 20 years ago. And I got involved in that. The the commission official actually approached me and said, would you like to be on this? And it was basically a group of engineers and ecologists coming together to look at uh, the fragmentation of habitats by roads and railways. So a road cuts down like a highway goes from Dublin to Limerick. It separates Ireland into two halves. And the animals can't cross that. It can be an impenetrable barrier. Animal side, so that's habitat fragmentation and the, the, the animal basically becomes subspecies on both sides if they're not mixing eventually which is very unhealthy so um, that habitat fragmentation group we wrote a report uh, it became it became the bible of habitat defragmentation over many years and it's still in use a version of it is still in use today um, so that, that kind of got me back into it and I saw that you could combine your engineering skills a little bit with this kind of stuff, yeah.
0: Would you consider doing another PhD in this
1: area? I think I'm done doing PhDs. I think one is enough for anybody. I, I've heard of people that do more than one, but uh, that's not for me.
0: So, what do you consider special about road verges then? Um,
1: road verges are special for a few reasons. Um, one is that they're very extensive. We have an awful lot of them. And there's also a railway verges. They tend to be not as big, but uh, there are railway there's a lot of land alongside railways as well that has a value. And um, but there, there's two other things. One is, one is that um, they're connected. They c- they're, they long by their nature, they're long and narrow, so that they can connect habitat patches in the landscape. So, so if you can make the road verge reasonably biodiverse, you can connect some other valuable pieces in the landscape. So the connection is qu- the connectivity is quite important. Um, the other is that the um, they're disturbed. And I mentioned disturbance already. So this fact that they're disturbed means they're not gone wild. I mean, there are two things that are bad for biodiversity. One one is too intensive cultivation, like intensive farming. And the other is no farming at all. So if you completely abandon something, actually, that's not that biodiversity. It goes wild. So the disturbed rough pasture kind of landscape, uh, road birds can be an approximation of that. And that can be quite valuable.
0: And have you also looked at... Tramways as well.
1: I mean, I haven't specifically looked into that. I mean, my sense of that is that, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing to do it, but there aren't that many things that will grow in that. It's a very harsh environment. It's, all, it's usually an urban area as well. Um, so there are some things that can be done. I mean, there are mosses and stuff like that that can grow there. And we even had a project in UCD where they were looking at marine structures and trying to uh, adapt marine structures to be a little bit more... Uh, Biodiversity friendly um, and that can be done and it all has value. But I, I don't think that's uh, the tramway tracks are going to be the future of biodiversity.
0: So what should we give more attention to or focus on in our road verge management plans?
1: Well, I think there's kind of two things you can do there. One is the general plan, which perhaps is mowing later in the year, that kind of thing. Um, but also we can target on a number of specific things. Now So I mentioned embankments as an example already. But there, there are a few other things. We can look at what is locally strong. I mean, areas beside national parks are often quite important. So if, for example, in Ireland, we have the Burren National Park. So the, there you have a limestone pavement type environment and you have a road going down alongside it. Then there is potential for the road verges to add resilience to the habitat, uh, again, by connecting it to a similar habitat, similar stuff in the, in the neighborhood. Um, so I think we should focus on what's locally strong. So if the area is good for orchids, for example, as the burn would be, um, then that should be our focus. Um, there's a few areas in England where there are uh, important populations of butterflies, you know, that would be nationally rare but strong locally. And the road verge definitely has capacity there. I mean, with butterflies, it's it's relatively easy because often it's about the host species of the caterpillar. So these caterpillars are very fussy. So they, some of them will only live on one plant or a small number of plants. Uh, and if you grow them on the road verge, you can bring the butterflies to the road verge. I mean, obviously, uh, some things you shouldn't do, uh, you shouldn't put them on both sides of the road. Encouraging the butterflies to fly across the road, probably a bad idea. But the, the, the studies tend to say uh, doing something positive is advantageous, even if even if it doesn't if it it isn't always perfect Mm -hmm. so yeah strengthen what's locally good so um, butterflies uh, uh, pollinators bees bees and wasps definitely value there Uh, ruderal plants a ruderal plant is a colonising plant uh, like a poppy so if you disturb soil I mean the seeds of poppies can sit there for 100 years it's amazing and and then when you disturb the soil they're the first up that's their niche. That's what they do. So, ruderal plants can be encouraged, um, and then the wildflower meadows. So, uh, that's the classical picture of the future of road verges. Uh, it's one of many, in truth. Um, it can. It has a value, and it again, it can suit pollinators. So, you can uh, tick a few boxes at the same time. Sometimes here, mm-hmm. I mentioned bare earth. I mentioned steep embankments. So there's, there's about a dozen possible niches you can go for and i would say if i were a county if i was in charge of a county i would get out a map and i would say i'm going to focus on this here i'm going to focus on that there and then i'd have a general policy for all the rest so a lot of good that
0: can be done and so have you had much contact with the local authorities or county councils for example in ireland on this subject
1: uh no not at this point um i i've been uh, i did the study for cedar the european group um there will be a national study now, um, and then it will probably filter down to the counties. Mm-hmm. So and the national study will focus on the national primaries and the national secondary roads. I, I imagine the Irish Rail will have an interest because there's something there, there's work that they can do there as well. Um, and then perhaps it comes down to the, the smaller roads. But one of the things about the value of a road verge is the value is related to the, the size that comes together, you know the size in any one location. So if it's very narrow, it's not as valuable. If it's wider, it's more valuable. If it's long in extent, it's also valuable. And um, so if it's small and patchy, it's not as useful. So the the primary roads would be more suited from that perspective. They tend to have bigger verges.
0: So um, are there specific species that we should focus on 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 road verges? You touched on some of them already, but are there other ones maybe that you have mentioned?
1: I mean. Uh, there isn't really any one species we should be going for. I mean, obviously, for safety reasons uh, near road and rail, we don't want big mammals. So we should not be encouraging uh, deer and things like that or wild boar And the continent are a real problem for road safety. Uh, and that's not good for them and it's not good for the road users either. Um, so it tends to be uh, small, small mammals um, birds. Um, we can do a lot for birds with with hedges and hedges, again, provide connectivity between habitats. So um, better maintenance of the hedges. So the focus on hedge maintenance at the moment is very much on um, trimming them. But actually, we should be filling in the patches. You know, So where there's breaks in hedges, it would be very useful if we could plant a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't be hard to do, and, and manage them a little bit until they grow to a decent size, mm-hmm. and keep them away from grazing animals who can lean over the fence quite a distance. Uh, so there's a, a simple list of recommendations that we've made um, on how to manage hedges better and um, so that can be useful as well um, we should probably in terms of species we should probably focus on red-listed species and amber-listed species so I mean this work has all been done on this so there's a lot of good work has been done on identifying what species are important I mean it's funny they're important not necessarily because they're rare well not necessarily because they're locally rare but perhaps because they're nationally rare or because they're unique to Ireland or unique to your country um so this study has already been done. So red species is important. Amber species is also important. And, and that's the one we should focus on. So if there are some of those near the roadside that are suited to the harsh environment that a roadside is, uh, then that should be our focus.
0: Mm-hmm. So are the interventions needed kind of specific to certain species in, around Europe or is there kind of a, you know, so you mentioned hedges, for example, uh, would would certain species you know get through that easily or so you mentioned wild boar for example in in parts of mainland europe or would a similar intervention be needed there or would further kind of thought be needed
1: i mean the general principles are the same but the the focus can be different so um on the continent there's there's a lot of emphasis on uh, reptiles i mean ireland doesn't have any snakes um and uh, snakes are attracted to hot surfaces, and, and that actually can create an ecological trap. So another yeah. issue to be talked about. Um, a road surface is a potential ecological trap. It can attract the snake to the road surface where it can die. Uh, so you need to do things as best you can to attract them away from the road surface, to provide them with alternatives. I mean, it's very easy. A sheet of galvanize uh, a sheet of metal on the side of the road can attract a snake to that location. In Ireland it would be lizards and newts that kind of thing. There, So there are a small number of reptiles there um, that can be attracted to warm surfaces. So so it's 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 valid but not so much so as on the continent. In, in continental Europe uh, they have a lot of arid and semi-arid regions where the emphasis is quite different.
0: In terms of gro- road verges then are there certain types of road verges that are most valuable in this case?
1: Well I mentioned um uh, large areas so where the, where there are large areas yes um, where there are embankments that's quite valuable and strangely um, the, the studies have shown that uh, shallow embankment is, isn't very valuable a very steep embankment is not so valuable because it's too steep to, for animals to live on so there's a kind of a, a middle ground it's, it's in a, a goldilocks level of, of a, a st- steepness of an embankment so embankments of a certain slope um decent size um near a national park usually suggests near an area that's ecologically valuable and is more likely to have amber species amber listed and red listed species so um, they would be the kinds of things to look
0: out for so the topic of climate change really is very much intertwined with this and why it's gathering more attention and why it should of course so how, how is the topic of climate change and various uh, cha- changing weather patterns and, and, and uh, flooding, uh, heat waves, uh, forest fires, um, wildfires, how is this affecting bi- uh, biodiversity?
1: Well, um, adversely, um So, yeah, climate change is aggravating the problems with biodiversity. But it's a different issue and people sometimes mix them up. And actually, sometimes there are conflicting issues. Uh, so climate change, for example, might be, pushing us towards uh, more windmills and wind energy is a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, but it can, if it's in the flight way of some migrating birds, can kill them. Uh, so they need to be sensitively located. I mean, the, the move to, uh, well, there are there are moves, changes in agriculture patterns and so on. They're not always good for biodiversity and they may be good for climate change. I mean, growing energy crops, for example, something like that. Um, So there are different things and sometimes their requirements are conflicting. Um, In terms of the road verges, well, climate change has been shifting patterns and, you know, warm loving animals are moving north. Uh, Cold moving animals are also. Sorry, well, they're all they're all moving north, I guess. Uh, So there are some species of bird, for example, in Ireland that are at the very southern tip of their range they will probably disappear. And there are others like jellyfish that are appearing in our waters now that didn't appear before because they, they're they coming from warmer waters. And uh, so the whole thing is shifting a little bit uh, and that creates pressures. Um, and we can do our, I mean, the Road bridge can do something about that, mm-hmm. can help a little bit, but um, the, bi- the, the climate change, it's just an aggravating factor, another factor that's thrown in the mix of problems for biodiversity
0: so another thing we didn't really touch on is, is greenways and uh, is there kind of i suppose uh, extra potential with greenways to explore new test new interventions that could be rolled out to rail and road um, perhaps where there already is flourishing biodiversity in certain greenways
1: yeah that's a good point and i think um, there probably is some good biodiversity in greenways and there's very good potential so again they, they have those features of road verges they, they've well, they're not badly disturbed in the way that cars disturb a habitat. I mean, people cycling or walking, probably not disturbing it as much. And um, so there's potential, but um, management is important. So you can't just uh, open them and ignore them. Uh, you really have to go in there and manage them and manage them sensitively. And um, so you can't just let it grow wild. You can't keep it cut like a, a lawn all the time. Uh, there's a happy medium there. So occasional mowing is a general rule, but of course, there, there are all sorts of variations to that. There are also some specific things you could do, you know. So there are situations where you could create a little wet band on the side of a greenway. And, you know, people aren't just looking for beautiful s- scenery. They're also delighted when they spot a, a cute bird or a little pretty mouse or something are some butterflies on the side of the road. So it adds to the quality of the experience. I
0: think. So another, I suppose, key topic uh, that's been discussed a lot in recent years is, you know, diverting investment for road building and for various reasons and r- whether it should be road maintenance or whether more investment should be devoted to public transport and other uh, means of transport. So is this, is this something that biodiversity should also, you know, be kind of, considered alongside you know whether roads should be built or not or how they are maintained and whether this should be more of the part of the conversation when the likes of road operators and um, not so rail operators are considering expanding their networks or because it always is something that is going to be needed obviously but how we approach it going forward i'd be interested to know your views on this
1: yeah uh, of course it has to be part of the conversation um, because there is an impact on the ecology Uh, so when you're building a new road or a new railway you have to consider the ecological impact as well as all the other impacts. Um, I mean, I, I have to say that I don't believe that a road adds value to a landscape in terms of biodiversity, um, because it, it mostly it fragments the habitat, it cuts through it, and it, it makes a wild area less wild by introducing disturb disturbance in the form of you know cars and people. And um, so, in general, the the. It's hard to argue that it would ever be fully positive. Um, but we can we do need them, as you say. I mean, you may have public transport in the urban areas, but you're never going to solve all the problems in the rural areas with public transport. So um, we're never going to address all our needs. So we're going to need roads. Um, Ireland actually has a dense network of roads already, but perhaps we do need to improve some of our roads. Of course we do, um, um, but we can mitigate the ecological damage and we can add some value. We can actually add something back. So when we're looking at the whole thing, um, if we minimize the damage, if we manage it so as to add some value, and then we can do least damage uh, when we're building what is necessary to build.
0: I think increasingly so, given that the nature of climate change, uh, many people may be saying we should be devoting more attention to adaptation rather than mitigation. And do you think that biodiversity is, is a major part of adaptation or what part does biodiversity have to play in this conversation um, if we're talking minimizing the consequences of certain natural disasters like does biodiversity have a, have a part to play there
1: uh, it does I mean I think you're talking about nature-based solutions which is a hot topic uh, around the European research these days um, so could you for example uh, mitigate a flood risk by having a park that that could potentially be flooded? to divert the flood away from roads and houses. Uh, so that's that's becoming increasingly popular. I mean, it won't solve everything, but it has a role to play. Uh, so, yeah, so you can have multiple uses for land. So it could be used for park and recreation, and it could have great value for biodiversity and could be occasionally flooded uh, to prevent flooding elsewhere. So, yes, there there's scope for that. I mean, there's lots of variations on that. I mean, leaky dams for flooding is has been... Suggested, you know, instead of one big dam or huge walls to protect a town, uh, Ballyvourney comes to mind in, in is it County Cork, I think. Uh, uh, and um, there's a very flash floods come in from the mountains there, and the town is very much at risk of flooding. And they don't want big walls passing through the town because it's a very nice looking town. Uh, so leaky dams might be a good solution there. So you put in, instead of putting in one big dam on the river, in fact, there isn't just one river, there's a lot of streams. Um, you can put a da- 100 small, very low-grade dams there that would be allowed to leak, that slow the flow of water. Uh, and most engineers will know that uh, uh, mitigating a, a flood is about slowing it down rather than stopping the water um, and spreading it over a greater length of time. So, yeah, that that's a good example where that kind of thing could promote biodiversity. So a leaky dam could create a, a wet patch locally, and a lot of these wet patches... Can be very valuable to um, animals that love that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. Um, There's other examples. um, Lots of ideas being thrown around of ways. I mean, uh, constructed wetlands is a way of treating uh, sewage, Uh, and they can be quite biodiverse and quite valuable. So you know there are some nasty bacteria in there, but uh, some animals are are not affected by them. So Mm -hmm. it, it can add value. And at the same time, it's better than a modern, modern high tech facility.
0: So for, for people living in, in urban areas or heavily populated areas where perhaps there's a, a lack of biodiversity or green space, what could they do from a community climate action perspective, like a, t- a, a bottom up perspective? What can they do to play their part?
1: Well, um, there's an awful lot that people can do in their back gardens. Um, so it's very easy to let part of your garden go wild. Um, so don't cut it until later in the year. Now, as I say, you don't have to never cut it, uh, You but just cut it a little bit later and a little bit neglect a little bit of your garden. Um, if you want to go a bit further, put in a pond. That's the single best thing you can do. Um, you can um, open the back if you have a, a door at the back of your garden and um, open a gap in the bottom of it to let a hedgehog in. There's lots of little things like that that people can do to promote nature in their back gardens. And there's an enormous resource there. I mean, there's a huge amount of land in back gardens. And if they were all a little bit more nature friendly, it would enhance things greatly. In transport, I mean, it's hard to link that with community. So transport tends to be publicly owned. So really, it goes back to councils and and Transport Infrastructure Ireland.
0: So community groups maybe apply more pressure, maybe to their local authorities to do more in this space or but what could I do to kind of you know play an advocacy role, maybe in in this, you know, because it's, I think a lot of discussion is focused on maybe urban areas and you know yes you mentioned primary roads and secondary roads and the motorways, but and urban areas, you know, yes they're public infrastructure but, maybe it's still not part of the conversation. Yes, in, in many urban areas, um, with how how roads are maintained and what could be done in from that space.
1: Yeah, well, uh, well, I think public opinion is important. Um, And perhaps it's just about changing our own attitudes and getting used to the messiness that goes with something that's less well-maintained. So we we like to see a cut lawn, you know, and we like to see nice green grass, which actually is uh, of zero biodiversity value. Generally, well, not zero, but but very low biodiversity value. So becoming more accepting of areas that are not well-kept I think, is the biggest single contribution we can make. I mean, councils will embrace this idea of not cutting grass because they're saving money by doing it. Um, th- they don't have a problem with that, but they can only do it if people find it acceptable. And I think I think it's becoming increasingly acceptable. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the No Mow May campaign thing that happened in the UK. And I, I think that's been quite successful. And Increasingly, we're getting used to the idea. I mean, again, it, we, we don't have to not mow anything. I mean we can uh, keep the edges of the road uh, tidier, because for safety reasons and for visibility, that's important. But a little bit further back from the edge, we can let it
0: So, so public acceptance is a major part of this, really, and if they're in, if they're in, in favour of it, then they, they should make their, their voice heard, is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, yes, then you can make your opinion heard and, uh, I mean, people need to start in their own back gardens uh, finding a little bit of messiness acceptable there. I mean, piles of wood, you know, a, a pile of cut uh, bushes in the back can be extremely useful. Yeah, can provide a nest for a hedgehog, for example, or for a field mouse a wood mouse, something like that. Um, so lots of things that can be done locally by people and that's all related to the attitude. Uh, so yes, obviously then you need to share your attitudes with your local councillors and uh, encourage them to do the same at county level mm-hmm. or at national level. I, I in my experience, they, they, the road owners are very much on for it and very proud of what they have in some places and, and willing to do more, keen to do more.
0: So w- what would be a, an ecological trap and should I be concerned in any way? Yes
1: yeah, so an ecological trap is this thing of the, uh, the snake being attracted to the road because it's warm and, and then attracted to its death in effect and, and there is a concern, it's quite controversial out there, uh, not everybody agrees but there is a concern that you know, if you grow Food plant for a caterpillar on the side of the road. It'll attract the butterflies to that area, and then they'll they'll fly out in front of traffic and get killed. Um, The studies that have been done, that I've seen, um, are saying well, there's a net benefit. So even if, now I guess it's not universally true, but even if you attract butterflies to the roadside, and even if some of them are killed, there's still the, the population of butterflies is still healthier because there is more habitat for butterflies. I mean, the, the good habitats are still there. We're not taking them away. We're not trying to replace them. We're trying to add to them. And if we add um, maybe a low quality habitat to what's already there, it's still a gain, and we should still do it. But yes, there is a risk that we're attracting some animals to their to their deaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's examples. The example in Ireland was the, the barn owls. Uh, there was a, a shrew in parts of the country on the roadside the young barn owls are attracted. They were hunting the shrew, and they were getting killed in the road. And barn owls are extremely rare and it's extremely valuable in Ireland. Um, so obviously, you want to try to avoid that. So one of the solutions is to degrade the habitat, locally, uh, so to make the road verge less attractive to the shrew, and therefore to discourage the, the barn owl. Maybe
0: less attractive.
1: Well, uh, you grow you. I mean, th- they like tall grass to hide in. So, cut the grass. So, so it doesn't always. The answer is not always to leave the grass growing long. That would be an example where you might want to cut the grass short. Yeah. And I mean, you could just do it for a patch near the side, and then you can, if you have a wide verge, you could uh, have better habitat further back. Yeah. They did find that it was mostly younger owls that were getting killed, so less experienced ones. But still, nobody likes to see it happening, and we'd like to try to avoid it. So that's an ecological trap. So there are lots of examples of that. I mean, if you do a fantastic habitat in a roundabout. Whatever is in there has to cross a road to get out of there. and uh, That's probably not a great idea.
0: So are there any obvious research opportunities that you, you would see uh, in this space that people should maybe look at if they're considering doing work in this area?
1: I mean, there are loads of research opportunities here. Now, unfortunately, with biology, well, it's just the nature of it. Uh, it's incredibly complex. Um, and you could spend... Hundreds of PhDs studying this stuff. Yeah, I think I mean from an engineer's perspective, I think what's really useful is the practical recommendations. And unfortunately, we're we're in a situation where we have to make recommendations. Um, wi- without full knowledge, so we may make mistakes, uh, but that's the nature of it. Uh, you 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 do the best you can. You make mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. I guess. Um, management policies and maintenance policies would be my interest. I mean, we should see what works and what doesn't work. And we should spread the word about that as quickly as we can. Um, a lot of it will be specific to particular situations. Uh, there's an issue of institutional memory. Um, if if you're subcontracting the, the maintenance of verges, then a, a new company gets the contract. Do they know what's good? Do they, has it all been documented properly? I mean, there's a lot to be learned there and a lot that could probably be done
0: better. In the case of Ireland, then, so there there will be a bit more work coming out from local government, from local and central government on this, I imagine, based on based on your work and also based on kind of what you, what you mentioned earlier in, in the podcast. But do you feel that perhaps there should be doing more uh, actual practical implementation of these solutions that you mentioned or recommendations? then perhaps has been done to date? Oh,
1: yes. I, well, I think we need a national policy. Um, I think they are already working on a national policy and they will produce one, um, you know, to identify. The first step would be to map the country, identify what's valuable and what, what, where the biggest gains would be, the lowest hanging fruit. Um, and I think they're, they're working on that at the moment. I mean, orchids actually grow quite well in the roadsides. So that's a good example. Areas where orchids are good, we could focus on those. Uh, but there are lots of ideas like that mean, um, the list is, is endless mm-hmm. um so yeah uh national policy first for the national primaries and national secondaries uh, and then they the maintenance of those needs to be very carefully thought out how that would be implemented and then the county the county roads the local roads uh i would say i suspect that very little has been done on that so far
0: Okay. Um, do you have
1: any closing remarks then before you finish up? Um, well, I would say on road verges generally and railway verges, um, as I say, they're not perfect. Uh, adding the road in the first place probably is a negative for biodiversity, but the verges can play a role in in adding back something, giving back something, and can improve something. And sometimes it's called a kind of a grey area. You know, so we have our green areas and our brown areas, but. This is kind of something that has some green to it, but I mean, obviously it's not as good as a national park, um, but it has a role to play and uh, we should make the most of
0: it. Great. Well, thank you very much, Eugene, for your time. Uh, it's been really interesting to me. Uh, I very little knowledge going into this conversation. So I think coming out of it, I, I feel more uh, well-informed and I hope other people will too. Um, I think this needs more attention, I think, in, in this area of, of, of transport infrastructure. Um, but generally speaking, obviously, biodiversity is hugely important. Um, So thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you.